Acts chapter 1, verse 79, here's point number one, and I have four of them this morning to provoke your thinking. Here it is. In the Bible, missions is not a, quote, when we get around to it, end quote, proposition. And so you'll notice in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, what you find here, and I'm, I'm not reading all the scripture just for the sake, sake of the time, but I want you to notice that it says, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, who's the he? Jesus. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And so you could call this what? Jesus' last words, his final words. And sometimes people's final words are very significant. So we can be sure that the final words of Jesus Christ were significant. And what were his final words? Familiar verse, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Of the earth. And so what do we mean by this? And, and we don't... I'm not complaining about the time. We don't have a lot of time. In a table talk, we try to get pastors to talk. They look around and see, is anyone else going to talk? What will they think if I talk? It's an interesting dynamic. I've been there. And uh, without exception, when a table talk ends, pastors say, you know, we really appreciate this day. They don't say this. Some of them, I know what they're thinking. I don't think any different than when I come in. That's fine. Some of them say, I never thought of that. It never crossed my mind that I just had a thinking about it and I appreciate you provoking my thinking on it. So, in the Bible, missions is not when we get around to a proposition. What do we mean by that? And you can say what strikes you. You can't be wrong. Well, what we mean by that is, in many churches and Christians, with Christians, and it's not true here, and I used to use the term mission-minded church, but now I use the term mission-hearted church. Because there's a difference. And your church is a mission-hearted church, so it's not true here. But do you know in many places, places missions is approached with a when-we-get-to-it sort of a mindset? Like, we're going to get to it. That's just kind of the thinking. We're going to get to it. But first, we need to fill in the blank. First, we need to, well, but we have to buy land. And we're going to get to missions, but first we need to well, we need to build a building. Have you ever noticed the things that we're going to get around to doing? We never do. Some of them. No objection to having church buildings. It's nice to have a church building, isn't it? Right? Nice to have a church building. But if missions is going to wait until we get, a, get, get around to it, then we don't have a biblical philosophy of missions. Because in Jesus' last words, he said... He emphasized the importance of reaching the world with the gospel. And we might think, well, it's 2,000 years later, so surely we're closer to reaching the world with the gospel than we were once upon a time. The fact of the matter is that's not true. Actually, they say, um, Ken Fielder, you ever heard Ken Fielder? Worldview Ministries says, their ministries translating scriptures, Ken says there are over 3,700 language groups that do not have one word of the Word of God in their language. Not one word. Amazing, isn't it? So a lot of good has been done. We can do better. Now, here, this is what they call, you know, in your church, this is what they call preaching to the choir. It's like 
telling it to the wrong people. But it's good for us to be reminded that uh, missions in the Bible is not a when we get around to it proposition. You see this another way, and it's that this. We, as a church, come to a time we have to tighten our belt. All churches, well, I shouldn't say all. I can't speak for all. Many churches go through belt-tightening experiences, right? You know where often churches start with belt-tightening? They start with missions. Somehow in our mind, we think, you know, missions is sort of a give or a take proposition. Now, number two, very similar to the first, and it's this in verse 8. In the Bible, missions is not a here or there proposition. In Acts 1.8, it mentions Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And so, biblically, missions, it's not a here or there. We can't excuse what we're not doing there because we're doing something here. Question, is that biblical what I just said? I can't excuse what I'm not doing there. And look, no one can do everything. But because of what I'm, what I'm, doing, what I'm doing here, is that biblical? Well, the answer is no. And the reason is because of the key word in Acts 1.8. Do you know what the key word is? And don't be afraid to say we're just provoking thinking. I, I might be wrong. I've been wrong a lot. You know, the older I get, the more real I realize I'm wrong. The key word is the word both. Now, why do I say that? It says, ye shall be witnesses unto me both. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Why do I say that's the key word? Because the word both means simultaneously. It does not mean when you reach here, then you go there. And then when you reach there, then you go there. And when you finally reach there, then you go to the uttermost part of the earth. The word both doesn't mean that. It means simultaneously. It's not a here or there proposition. By the way, if it was a here or there proposition, when, is the, when are the people in the uttermost going to be reached? Like, when are they going to be reached? They're not. They're not going to be reached. So it's not a here or a there um, pro, pro, proposition. And... Uh, Sometimes, you know, a lack of missions emphasis, and again, I know this is not true here, but a lack of missions emphasis is justified by the things we do, we're doing at home. You know something that bothers missionaries? Because I interact with a lot of missionaries. You know something that bothers them? It's the double standard that a church has with, between them and the missionary. For example, missionaries receive the dreaded missionary questionnaire. You ever heard of a dreaded missionary questionnaire? Page after page. What do you do on Mondays? What do you do on Tuesday afternoons? Do you have a television? What are the last 10 programs you watched on television? As pastors and people in churches are scrutinizing the life of a missionary. Now, you can't do this. But I've said to missionaries, well, why don't you make up a questionnaire? Send it to your supporting churches. Ask them, what do you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday? Do you know that missionary would be dropped for support so fast? They'd be dropped just like that. And I say to missionaries, like, I know you can't do that, but it's the, it helps them to know that somebody sees this from their point of view, from their side. 
the dreaded missionary questionnaire. And by the way, and you may, pastors, send out missionary questionnaires. I'm not criticizing that. But what I'm saying is sometimes the motive behind a missionary questionnaire is not godly. It's actually often a way to get rid of a missionary, to find a fault with, to find a fault with them. Missionaries dread to see them coming. But uh, pastors, we pastors, we don't answer missionary phone calls. We don't answer their emails. We often don't acknowledge their letters. But if a missionary received a missionary questionnaire and didn't return it, they probably most probably would be get, assume you didn't get it. We've sent it again. Can you send that in? If they just said, no, I'm not going to send it in. I'm not sending it. I'm not doing that. They're going to be dropped almost immediately because it's going to be accused. Something, there's something to hide. Now, look. We could drill down on all these things. There's a place for the questionnaire. There's a place for knowing what's going on in the information. All I'm talking about is the double standard. Often, if we're not careful, there's a double standard. And if there were 10 missionaries sitting here right now, veteran missionaries, new missionaries wouldn't, they haven't experienced this. And if I went person by person, do you dread the missionary questionnaire? They say, no, not at all. You dread them? No, 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 no. Everyone inside is saying, man, I dread those questionnaires. And you might say to yourself, so what you mean, Chris, is missionaries lie. I don't mean that at all. Missionaries answer questions to the degree or extent they think the person is prepared to hear the answer. Like if a doctor doesn't think you're prepared to hear that you're going to die soon, they don't tell you that. They say this, I've witnessed it. We're going to keep you as comfortable as possible. Or something, uh, something like that. So when I, and, and, and afterward, so let's say there were those 10 missionaries here, and afterward we had a luncheon with just the missionaries. They look at me and they say, Pastor, I can't believe what you said. I can't believe you put me on the spot about the questionnaire. Don't ever do that again. Because you know the answer is we don't want to see those questionnaires. But you put me on the place. I had to answer. Now I feel guilty because I wasn't sure what the answer was without lying. They're not afraid of accountability, but it the double standard really, really bothers missionaries. You know, missionaries get challenged if they show up late. Missionaries get challenged if their kids can't sit in the front row and act perfect. Missionaries get challenged over all kinds of things. And look, some of those things are very legitimate. However, we need to watch out for the double standard, having one standard for them and another standard, another standard for us. Okay, here's number three. Number three is, don't, don't react now. In the Bible, everything is not missions. In the Bible, everything is not missions. One of the things that I think that we need to do is we need as churches to sit down and have the discussion about what is a biblical philosophy of missions. Sometimes the answer is, well, I don't eat cheesecake. I don't care about cheesecake. I don't like cheesecake. We think we have a biblical philosophy of missions. We might or we might not. In Mark 16, 15, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. In 1 Corinthians, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, which I preached on a year ago when I was here, Paul said, when your faith is increased, the gospel is going to go to the regions, the regions beyond, beyond you. And so, as I say, some of these subjects at a mission table talk are really, uh, they're, they're con they're they're, we're not trying to provoke anybody other than their thinking. But here's the point. Somewhere along the way, 
among good and godly Christian people, every good thing you want to do in Jesus' name is missions. You follow what I'm saying? Everything has, has turned into to missions. And so we need to think that through. What is missions? Because if everything is missions, everything has a claim on mission dollars. You follow what I'm saying? So we need to think through. Everything is everything is is not is is not is not missions. So let me just provoke your thinking a little bit more. Today, of course, with COVID, this has changed. But one of the big things today is mission trips. And um, mission trips, typically, young. And I'm not opposed. Okay, but typically, your typical young mission trip is young people going to a place they've never been, speaking the in a place they don't speak the language, on somebody else's money. And it's often regarded as, you know, that young person needs to get straightened out. It'll do them good to spend two weeks in wherever. Or we need to recruit missionaries. Maybe if we send them on a mission trip, we'll be able to recruit missionaries. There's no director of any mission anywhere. Sarah Mission Board will promote a mission trip as a recruiting tool. It is statistically proven that mission trips are not a good recruiting tool. It's just a fact. But millions and millions and millions of dollars are being spent on mission trips. Now, I'm not saying all mission trips are wrong. I'll tell you what's a great mission trip. A couple in a church, mature couple in a church, who goes and visits a missionary with no expectations, just to be an encouragement and a blessing. Missionaries will welcome that. Most missionaries are not going to welcome. Let me just shock you. Do you know that everywhere in the world that they paint, People know how to paint walls. You know that? They know how to build things. They question what Americans are thinking, spending all this money to send these young people over, as an example, to paint a wall when we could have painted the wall for far less money and used that money to do something else with it. Now, remember my theme. You don't have to agree with me, but it's good to have our thinking provoked. Today, everything Figuratively speaking, it's become missions. Everything's got a claim on missionary dollars. While probably over half of the people in the world have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel one time. So that takes us to number four. And this is the last one. And the last one is this, that biblically, everyone is not a missionary. Like, what is a missionary anyway? What is a missionary? Um, sometimes over the church door. Now, you may have this on the outside door. If you do, I didn't see it. I'm not poking anybody. The bear never poked the pastor. It says, you are now entering the mission field. Look, I appreciate the sentiment of it. I appreciate what we're trying to communicate to people. But actually, in the Bible, that's not the mission field. The gospel is good news. How many times do you tell the same story and still call it good news? Not too many. Everything has become, take the place of, everyone's become equal to the person who's taking the gospel to the regions beyond where they've never heard the gospel one time. Now, so let's say this brother, his ministry is, that when he and his wife go out about their life, they leave tracks about, right? Listen close now. I'm not trying to trap you. 
if I'm going to reach some tribe in the middle of Africa that's never heard the gospel, is my ministry more significant than his? You got one person saying no. You got a few of you afraid because you don't know what in the world this guy's thinking. The answer is his ministry of tracks is no less significant than my ministry of taking the gospel to the region beyond. But he's not a missionary in a biblical sense of the world. At word, every Christian is supposed to be salt and light, right? Every Christian is supposed to serve God. Everyone's supposed to sow the seed of the word of God. But if everybody's a missionary, then in a sense, nobody's a missionary. Let me use this example. Let's just say it was nicer weather, and I don't know if you get litter on your lawn, but at our church back home in Florida, my wife and I are members of the church that I pastored. For some reason, people throw litter all over our lawn, the church. They drive by and throw litter out. You know, once upon a time, you wouldn't do that, but it's like, it's like a thing. So what if our pastor stood up and said, now listen, we all need to do the job. Picking up the litter on the front lawn is everybody's job. Question, who's going to pick it up? Nobody. Anything that's everybody's job is what? Nobody's job. Every person that God gives them a ministry to do, operating the sound system, playing the piano, handing out tracts, usher, teaching Sunday school, a deacon, whatever, is, is, is God's will for their life. And the person who goes to the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been is not any more significant. They're not more important. God doesn't love them anymore. They're not sacrificing any more than the last person. But they're both, biblically, they're both not missionaries. And again, I'm just trying to provoke your thinking. So somebody said to me, this would be an interesting discussion, Pastor, for us to have. But someone said to me, so Chris, two things, two points, and then I'll finish because it's the time. Two things. Number one, people ask me, so this is how it goes. They say, listen, so what are you? After I teach this, they say, so what are you? And I say, well, actually, I'm not a missionary. I'm a servant of missionaries. I'm a minister to missionaries. We use the term missionary because that's what pastors understand. If I called up a pastor and said, Pastor, I'm a servant to missionaries. I'd like to come tell you about a mission in our church. He has no idea what you're talking about. He has no idea. But in the Bible, is there any word that might equate to a modern-day missionary? Well, I personally think the word evangelist, a teller of good news. I personally believe that the, the word evangelist in Ephesians chapter 4 is akin to a modern-day missionary, a person who goes and takes and carries the good news. Now, I have to be very careful. Pastor Schwenke is a brother that's a missionary, and if he was here, and I've never met Pastor Schwenke's evangelist brother, and I'm sure he's a good and godly man, his head would explode. Are you recording this? Are you? You are. Okay, so I'm... No, that's okay. And I am a friend of Bill Rice. And Will Rice, but Bill Rice, I know very well. So I, I'm not trying to criticize, poke the bear. I'm just trying to get us to stop and think through. Is there such a role in the New Testament as a missionary? Who is the missionary in the New Testament? Who is that? So a lesson on missions to provoke your thinking. Just to think some of these things through. And here at Spring Matter, you've thought a lot of these things through. But good for us to, because we might get a taste of cheesecake and say, wow, we might get a 
thinking about missions, a little bit different than what we've had. And I'm not finding fault with any of your thinking about missions and say, you know what? I need to think about that particular thing uh, in a little bit different way. Let me close two minutes over with one more thing. I want to emphasize this. If this brother's ministry is prayer, say God has laid on this brother's heart, your ministry is prayer, and he prays without ceasing at night when people aren't praying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. His ministry is no less valued, I want to be very careful, than the person who takes the gospel to the middle of the deepest, darkest jungle. There's not a value comparison. It's just communicating to people the biblical role of the person who takes the gospel to someone who's never heard it. They've never heard it. And by the way, those people are relying on people who might have a ministry of prayer. It's a joint effort. But when we start calling everybody a missionary, pretty soon nobody, everything that everybody wants to do is a missionary and is a, has a claim on missionary dollars. That would be kind of where I'm going. Okay, let's pray.